And I heard all of you say good morning. And uh, I'm glad you're here this morning. And uh, while we can't worship uh, together uh, in person, I'm so happy that uh, you've chosen to join with us today uh, as we uh, are trying our first uh, online uh, service. Uh, I do have a couple of things I wanted to share with you, uh, a couple of announcements to share. Uh, first of all, we will be like this uh, at least for the next two Sundays, uh, mainly because uh, our governor has requested a shelter-in-place uh, ordinance, and so uh, to honor that, uh, we'll be doing online services the next two weeks, and uh, we'll be able to keep working and tweaking it, making it better each time, and uh, so I encourage you to join with us each, each time. We'll be posting links uh, like we did today through email as well as on Facebook, so that way you can join with us with your families. Uh, if you have trouble getting that set up or figuring it out, please let me know. Uh, I'd love to come over and help you get it set up, uh, so that way you can be able to worship with us uh, on, on your computer. Uh, some of you may have a smart TV. You can do it through your smart TV as well. Uh, so I encourage you to, to join with us each, each time. So the next two weeks. Now, according at this time, he has said that the uh, shelter-in-place would stop on, on April the uh, 7th. Uh, which is still before our Good Friday and Easter service. Uh, so tentatively, we are still scheduled to have both of those here at church. However, if, if the time comes where we need to change that, uh, I'll let you know over the next couple of weeks, and uh, we'll make some adjustments as needed. Uh, but I'm excited to be able to share with you today uh, what God is, is, is working in me. Uh, the only other announcement that I have is Cheyenne's got a quick announcement that she wants to make uh, concerning... Uh, her Sunday school class. I know some of you have had questions about that, so come on over here, Cheyenne. And I've already received word from a few people about, uh, like my wife, she contacted quite a number of people in our church, almost all of them, I believe. And uh, I've heard of others who have been contacting each other. And I encourage you to keep contacting each other. This is a family. We're a community. And so we want to be able to uh, stay connected. Uh, I've encouraged uh, a small group to be able to still, uh, our small group is going to try a, a FaceTime, like a video chat. And we'll see how that goes with 30 kids. Uh, would be kind of chaos, but we're still going to try, and so I'm encouraging uh, other small groups to try to stay connected as well, so that way uh, we, can, we can just feel hope from one another, we can encourage one another, and while we can't be together physically, we know that our hearts are still knit together uh, as we, as we uh, walk through this, this difficult time, uh, but I know that, uh, that God works in every situation, and so we're, we're excited that, that uh, even though we can't be together physically, we can connect through technology. I'm going to go ahead and transition to uh, the, the, the message for today, and I wanted to uh, just share a few words uh, from my heart as we are studying the book of Galatians. If you have your Bibles, you can uh, turn to Galatians chapter 3, uh, and we're going to be looking, our scripture reading uh, I'm going to do is Galatians 3, uh, verses 1 through 9. Galatians 3, verses 1 through 9 says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? 
It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does He who supplies the Spirit to you, works miracles among you, do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed, along with Abraham, the man of faith. And last week we looked at verses 1-5, through five, and so uh, to kind of get the context, we're joining in, uh, we reread those, and I'm kind of pick up from there and uh, look at verses 6 uh, through 9. I'm so thankful that I was raised in a Christian home and I was able to grow up in church. And as a matter of fact, just a few moments ago, I actually uh, tuned in to both my dad and my brother, who are both pastors on the East Coast, and, and saw their live services and, and got to see both of them speaking probably to empty uh, rooms like I'm in right now, but uh, but I'm I'm so thankful that I grew up in a Christian home. I have many fond memories of of children's church and Sunday school. I even was an Awana as a little boy. Uh, I can remember singing kids songs uh, that maybe you're familiar with. Uh, songs like Deep and Wide. You guys remember that? And I don't understand why that song is so like a Christian song. Deep and Wide. There's a fountain flowing. Like what? What? Where's the Jesus in this? Right? You know. Uh, I am a C. I am a C. H, right? I'm C-H-R-A-S-T-I-A-N. Or I have the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. And all the kids went. Yeah, I heard you. Where? Uh, or the one I'm in right, outright, upright, downright, happy all the time, right? In right, outright, upright, downright. Uh, but there's one song that was probably every kid's favorite Sunday school song. None of the teachers wanted to sing this song, but the kids always begged for this song. Uh, if you grew up in church or you, you are a kid and you worked, or you've worked with kids, you know exactly the song that I'm referring to. Uh, the Christian version of the Hokey Pokey. Uh, the Father Abraham song, right? Father Abraham had many sons. I am one of them and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Right arm, left arm, right foot, left foot, right? All right? A song that every kid knew. Uh, there were some teachers that may have used that song uh, to get all the wigglies out, right? Right before they sit down and listen to uh, a lesson. But I will say most teachers, at least my teachers, avoided it. And if we requested it, you could see the look on their face of like, oh, oh we got to sing that song. Okay, fine. Let's sing it. But they would always make sure they finished. Turn around, sit down, right? That's it. No more. Um, and of course, some would say, oh, well, you know, that's, that's a great fun song for kids, but it's not really you know, a theological song, right? I mean, after all, we're not Jews, so we're not really children of Abraham. So for us to sing a song about Father Abraham, I mean, we're one of them, not really, right? Only Jewish boys can sing that song, or Jewish girls. Uh, but I want to show you today here in Galatians that that song is actually really good theology. That song is true for all of you this morning who are in Christ. That children, or Christians, I should say, are the children of Abraham. Now, it doesn't mean we're the children of Abraham like we're the children of God. 
But I'll explain what I mean as we go through this. Can I pray as we begin? Lord, I pray that today you would open our hearts as we study your word together. Lord, I pray that you would just encourage us uh, today. We love you so much. And it's in your precious name we pray. Amen. So as we're looking in this, is this, this passage of Galatians, I do want to take a few moments and, and, and look back and remember what Paul has been doing in this book. Uh, and how the setting of this whole story is. If you remember, Paul has been traveling through the southern portion of what is now modern Turkey, uh, the Galatia region, uh, and he spoke in all of these little small towns, Lystra and Derby and Iconium, and, and, he, and, he, and he had these churches established there that were very small, uh, and so he traveled through there and he spent some time there. He got some persecution from them. Uh, there were some, some struggles that he had with them. Uh, but there, overall, there were some churches that were established. And, and he said earlier that his message throughout all of this was the same. It was Christ and Christ alone. That the way to faith is, or the way to salvation is through Christ, through faith. Salvation by grace through faith. And as we saw in the beginning of this chapter, he said, hey, I publicly portrayed Christ crucified, that the crucifixion is it. It's, that's the way. It's believing in what He did. It's not Christ plus something else. It was Jesus only. So to place your faith and hope in that. And, and they did. The Galatian people did. And so He leaves and, and there's some rejoicing among the churches and He kind of continues on His journey. But then sometime later, He received word that there was this group of people called the Judaizers. Paul also called them the circumcision party. This group of people who, who had come out of Jerusalem and they kind of had showed up along the way with Paul, or following Paul around, and, and they're teaching that, hey, you know, Paul didn't quite fully get it right. That there's some things that, that you're missing. And actually, no, you're not children of Abraham. He's not your father unless you're circumcised. And they, prob they probably taught the song, Father Abraham had many sons, many sons had Father Abraham, I am one of them, and you are not, so go get circumcised, right arm, left arm. No, they didn't sing that. But those Judaizers believed, hey, listen, it's not just by faith, it's actually you have to do, in order to be a part of the full covenant of God, you have to go back to the Old Testament and you have to obey the Old Testament laws, which included this, this idea of circumcision. And as we looked at this last week, Paul says, listen, listen. How you came to faith is how you continue in faith. It's, it's not beginning with faith and then following with works, continuation. Doing good works after you become saved is not so that you remain saved, no, the, the life of good works or, or the life that, that comes from a saving faith is driven by the fact that now you're in Christ. And so now you're not obeying out of duty, you're obeying because you're a new creature, because you have Christ within you. And so Paul says that in the beginning of this chapter. And he says, if you think that you have to keep doing these good works in order to be saved, or to keep God pleased with you, then you're foolish. And he says in verse 1 that you're bewitched. So Paul has already done this a, a few times, but he says it again. He says, look, listen, I know, I know that, that this isn't true about you. That you know this from your own experience. 
He says, you didn't receive the Spirit by works. That's what he's asking that question. Let me ask you in verse 2. Did you receive it by works or by hearing with faith? And he knows that they're going to be responding by, of course, by faith. The reason they received the Spirit of God was by faith. They didn't work for it. And that's why he says in verse 3, if you begun in the Spirit, you continue in the Spirit. So Paul knows this. And now when you get down to verses 6-9, through nine, Paul says, I want to show you even further what I'm saying or, or kind of give further proof as to why I'm saying it the way I am. And he says, instead of looking back, Galatians, on your own life, I'm going to take you back to Scripture and I'm going to show you how those Judaizers are simply wrong. And so Paul calls Abraham to the stand. And he says, hey, let's see what we can learn from the life of Abraham. And if you know anything about Paul, if you've read any of his other books uh, in the New Testament, you know he loves Abraham. Uh, he uses him a lot. And so if you will, I do want you, because we're not all together, and I show you verses on the screen, I do want you to have a couple of places in your Bible that you can access pretty quickly. Uh, one of them, Genesis 15, and the other one, Romans 4. Genesis 15 and Romans 4. Okay? So we're going to be in those two here in just, in just a few moments. Genesis 15 and Romans 4. Now, why? Because look at verse 6 of Galatians 6. Uh, if you actually, you need to pick up verse 5 uh, to get the context of the, of the sentence here. Does he who supplies the Spirit to you, God, who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, do so by works of the law? or by hearing with faith. And then he says, just as Abraham believed God and was counted to him as righteousness. Now, why does Paul go to Abraham? Like He goes into Abraham in Romans 4 uh, and in other places. And so why? Why? Why Abraham? Well, because Abraham is what you could say the first, well, he is the first Jew. He's the creator if you will, the, the father of the Jewish people. He's the founder of their nation, if you will. He's the first one. And the Judaizers probably came along and said, listen, we are Jewish. We have Abraham. He is our father. He, he, we can go back and look in Scripture. In Genesis 17, it says that, that Abraham, God told Adam, Abraham he had to be circumcised. And so, so we have to follow that because we're his children. And so we're underneath that same promise or that same covenant, if you will. So we have to be circumcised. He follows the laws, and so therefore, we have to follow the laws. Now, this is what's interesting, is Paul says, no, 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 no. Listen, you're looking at Genesis 17. He goes, you don't start the story of Abraham in Genesis 17. So, if you're the kind of person who writes in their Bibles, and, and you might, it might be encouragement to do that, uh, to, to, in beside the, uh, the margin here of Genesis, uh, Galatians chapter 3, write down Romans 4, and Genesis 12 to 18. Just write those off in the side of your margin. Uh, so that way you can remember to go back and read uh, these particular passages. Because back in Genesis, you are introduced to the guy named Abraham. And if you've grown up, if kids are you're listening and you've grown up in church, uh, you know who this guy is, right? 
He's the guy. He's got the, the nephew Lot, right? And, and we learned all the story of Lot and how his wife was salted. No, she turned into salt uh, as she left Sodom and Gomorrah, those wicked cities. Uh, we know the story of Abraham because he, he goes up on the mountain to sacrifice his son uh, on a, an altar, right? You guys remember those stories? In Genesis chapter 12, and actually Genesis 11, the end of chapter 11, is where we're first introduced to a guy by the name of Abram. Now, God would later change his name to Abraham, uh, but that's him, Abram. His family's mentioned there. And uh, at that point, when he's mentioned in, in, in Genesis chapter 11, uh, he's living in a place called Ur of the Chaldees. Uh, he is most likely a moon worshiper when you study cultures of that day. Uh, he's not a worshiper of God. Uh, his family are not uh, followers of, of the true God. Uh, he, is, he has no spiritual qualifications at all. Uh, he's actually also physically unqualified. Because, well, in, when you read the passage, you find that he's married to a woman by the name of Sarai, or Sarah. Uh, her name would later be changed to Sarah. Uh, his brother is there. His brother has a son named Lot. Okay? And what you find is, is Abram and Sarai, they cannot have children. They don't have children. Uh, she's barren, uh, the Bible says. And so you have the introduction of this guy who, who's not a believer in God. He's not spiritually qualified. But he's also not physically qualified to offer God anything. He and his wife don't have any children or anything. And so when you get to chapter 12, and I, if you're there, Genesis, I do want you to look at uh, chapter 12 uh, just for a few moments. Genesis chapter 12, and let's see what God says to Abraham. Uh, and at this point uh, in the story, Abram is most likely around 75 years old. Uh, you can see that down in verse 4. 75 years old. Now, uh, Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred, and your father's house to the land I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you will I curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed." And in the very next verse, verse 4, it shows Abraham's obedience. He got up, and he did just as God told him to. He responded when God calls. Okay? So here he is living with his wife, and, and, and he was told by God, hey, you're going to be special. I'm going to make you a great nation. And in you, all the nations, all the families or nations of the earth will be blessed. Okay? I'm going to be a great nation. I'm 75 years old. I got my wife. She's 65. But, all right, we're going to do this. Now, turn over to Genesis 15, just a couple of chapters over. Genesis 15, verse number 1. Now, the events of Genesis 15 are about 20 years after the events of Genesis 12. Okay? Uh, so, this is about 20 years later. Think about this for a moment. God made a promise and Abraham has to wait for 20 years 
Genesis 15, verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But, okay, he's, God shows up and says, God, I, Abraham, I am God. Your reward is going to be great. Now notice Abraham's response. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. So stop for a moment and think about what's happening. That, that, that God makes this promise, and then 20 years go by, and Abraham is kind of like, So you said you're going to do this, but you haven't. Uh, Abraham is, is 95 plus years old, almost 100 years old. But 90 year old, 100 year old people today don't have babies. It doesn't work like that. So, how in the world is this going to be? Now, it is believed that the book of Galatians, when you, back in Paul there, the book of Galatians was the first one that he wrote. And later on in his life, Paul writes another book called the book of Romans. So hold your place here in Genesis. Now I, do, I want you to go over to Romans chapter number 4. And we're going to kind of tie this together. Romans chapter number 4. And I want you to look down in Romans 4 verse uh, 17. Romans 4, 17. In Romans, what Paul does is he kind of takes what, what he says in Galatians and early on in his journeys, and then he kind of expounds on it in the book of Romans. And actually, chapter 4, he writes a long passage talking about the events surrounding the, uh, the, the man Abraham. So verse 17, it says, As it is written, all right, so Paul's quoting Old Testament, As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of God in whom he believed who gives life to the dead and calls into existence things who do not, that do not exist. In hope he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations as has been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Now, back in verse 17, Paul writing, he's quoting Old Testament, and he says, I have made you the father of many nations, or I, will, I have made you this. Now, when you go back and read in the Old Testament, it almost sounds like a future promise where God says, I will make you. But Paul, quoting the Old Testament, said, I have made you. And when you study the original language, you find that Paul's translation of the Old Testament is exactly the way it should be translated. So that means that when God told Abraham back before he had children, I have made you. I already have made you. Because God knew exactly what He was doing. God said, hey, I'm going to do what defies all logic and reason. You're a hundred years old. And you, you don't have any kids. But it's as good as done. Now, the question is, if that kind of promise was made for you, what would you do? What would you do? Okay, God, you've, you've said you're going to do something great, but 
I don't really feel it. I'm kind of, I need a little more. I need, I need you to prove it just a little bit more. I need you to, to give me more uh, uh, support in order for me to fully believe this. Well, what was Abraham's response? Well, the response, if you're back in Genesis 15 again, was what? Genesis 15, verse number 6 says, as soon as I get there, and he believed the Lord. And he counted it to him as righteous. Because go back, look at verse 5. Because he said, uh, no, I'm sorry, verse 4. And behold, the word of the Lord. So Abraham says, hey, I don't have any kids. And the word of the Lord came to him and said, this man, Eliezer, shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, look toward heaven and number the stars, if you're able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your offspring be and then it says Abraham believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness so what was Abraham's response he believed long before the circumcision happened long before uh, any of that obedience of the law it shows that Abraham was counted righteous by God simply by believing God just by believing And so Paul, here in Galatians, he takes that phrase, he believed in God and God counted it to him as righteousness, and he plops it down right here in Galatians chapter number 3. He puts it right there in the middle because he shows, hey, Abraham believed by faith. He didn't do anything other than believe. He believed in what God said. And so later on, when Abraham is sacrificing his son on the altar, and they get up on the top of Mount Oreb, and, and, and he's going to raise the knife and he's going to sacrifice his son, the Bible says over in Hebrews that Abraham knew, he knew that if he killed his son, that God would, re, would, would restore his son back to him. Like, like Abraham believed the promise of God so much that he knew that if he had to do this thing, that God would still fulfill his promise. Abraham knew that when God makes a promise, he keeps it. And it says that Abraham believed God. God's word is true. And you can bank on it, even when it doesn't seem to fit reality. Now, notice here in Galatians 3, verse 6, that it says that Abraham believed God not believed in God but it says that he believed God see massive numbers of people and I would say massive numbers of people in the world today believe in God that's not the issue Abram believed God and my question is do you believe him or do you believe in him See, the devil believes in God. But my question is, do you believe God? Do you believe that what God is saying is true? Do you believe that God defines reality? And by the way, this goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. All the way back. Adam is created. Eve is created. They're there in the Garden. And God says, you can, do, you can eat whatever you want. Just don't eat 
that tree. It's quite honestly the basis of they had one job. Don't eat that tree. And the serpent shows up. And what does he do? He casts doubt and says, you can't believe God. You can't believe his word. Because you're not really going to die. Do you believe God? When the world around you right now seems to be falling apart, do you believe God's promises? Or is your faith in something else? Is your faith in your finances? Is your faith in your, in your security of, of the government? Or is your, I hope not. Is your faith in, in the security of success? Do you believe in God? Not in God, you believe God. You see, by the way, this is the beginning, the middle, and the end of the Christian life. Do you believe God? So Paul goes back to Abraham and uses him against those Judaizers to show that it's not works. Abraham simply believed by faith. And then notice the second part of this. What Abraham did was believe God. And what God did, verse 6, just as Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Counted to him as righteousness. What was God's response to Abraham's faith? God's response was, you get righteousness. It's counted to you. Another, uh, other versions of the Bible say uh, credited or reckoned. Okay, uh, it, It's the idea of crediting to someone something they don't already possess or have. I mean, the Bible is clear in Romans 3. There is none righteous. Not one. But because we believe by faith in God and Christ and what they did for us, the Bible says that God credits to us righteousness. That He pushes righteousness to us. By our works? By us? No. Simply by faith. We believe. And by the way, it works the other way around as well. You have a bookmark there in Romans 4. Go back, flip back to Romans 4. And I want to show you verses 6, 7, and 8. He says it in uh, uh, verse 3. What does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God. It was counted to him as righteousness. We just saw that. So Paul loves these this words here because it's really establishing the idea of what he is, which is believing by faith. But look at verse 6. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God count righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven in whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. See, it works the other way too. So that, 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 that means that you and I are sinful. And what happens when it says God won't count that? He won't count your sins. And what I believe and what Christ did on a cross is that, that His sacrifice covers me and His sacrifice saves me and He paid the penalty for me. And what happens is, is that God pushes righteousness onto me and then He takes my sin and He pushes it onto Christ. And so that I who was not righteous am now righteous. And Christ who is not sin is now sin. He takes that sin. And God pushes it to the one who doesn't deserve it. 
And so now Jesus gets credited with all of your sin, and you get credited with all of His righteousness. And so Paul comes along and says, hey, Abraham is proof that you can be simultaneously loved and accepted by God and still sinful and imperfect. Now, I'm not saying to go and sin. I mean, if you feel that way, read Romans 6. Shall I go on sinning? God forbid it. No, you're saved by faith to love and to follow Him and to serve Him. This is what makes Christianity so different than every other religion in the world. Every religion says to do the right things and God will be pleased with you. You have to earn it. You have to live right. The Bible comes along and teaches that, that Christians still, they, we still deal with this, this indwelling sin within us. Martin Luther said it this way. He says, because you believe, uh, he's, he's quoting God here. Uh, he says, this is what God says. Because you believe in my son, because you believe in Jesus, although you have many sins, they will be forgiven until you are completely delivered from them by death. See, what we believe in the Christian life is that you're still going to have that struggle. The temptation is still going to be there. But you are constantly saying, not me, not my will, your will be done, God. I'm following you. And so that when you close your eyes in death, you are then free from the presence of sin for all eternity. So when we believe, we become children of faith. Children of faith. Look at verse 7 of Galatians. He says, just as Abraham, does he do this by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Because Abraham believed and God credited him to righteousness. Verse 7 is kind of the answer. Know then, so like as a result, know then that it is those of faith who are the true sons of Abraham. See, Paul is going to use Abraham as here as sort of a, a model of what it looks like to become a Christian. He says, those of faith are the sons of Abraham. And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the Gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. See, the children of Abraham here are called those of faith. They're not decided by works or their ethnicity, or their gender, or their race. He said they're decided by faith. They're decided purely on the same basis as it was decided for Abraham. Because Abraham believed and God credited to him his righteousness. So now he is a man of faith, which you see at the end of verse 9. And so that all those who believe like Abraham believed are those of faith. You could say it this way, those who depend on faith. See, what, what are you believing is going to get you to heaven? Is it your works? Is it your good attitude? Is it your stock of toilet paper? No, what is going to get you to heaven is not anything that you've done here. It's simply the faith that you have in God. You're not depending on your works. You're not depending on your family. You're not depending on your life. God isn't looking for a bloodline. He's looking for a faith line. Over in Romans 2, it says, For no one is a Jew 
who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical. But a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart, by the Spirit, not by the letter. See, Paul just, the Judaizers would have been shocked at this. The Judaizers would have said, whoa, you're saying a circumcision of the heart? Because what Paul is trying to establish is, hey, listen, there's not one way of salvation for the Jews and another way for the Gentiles. There's not multiple Gospels. There's one, and that is one way to heaven, one way to God, and that's by faith through grace in Christ. Only by faith. And Abraham is the proof of that. So those Judaizers would have been shocked to hear this. Paul would say to them, you, and I can see him kind of pointing in their chest, saying, you are not a child of of Abraham. You can't sing that song. Why? Because you're not a child of faith. Okay? So if it's not Jews by their by their race or their ethnicity, you know, their gen or their culture, then what is it? Well, look at verse 8. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel. Paul says, hey, God says, the ones who would be included are not just the Jewish people, and actually it's not the Jews because they've obeyed the law, it's the Jews who have believed. But it's not just them, it's also the Gentiles. Who are these people? Who are the Gentiles? Is this another culture? Is this another nation? Actually, it's all of us. See, in the, in the early days, if you were called a Jew, you were part of the Jewish Israel, children of Israel. Okay, And if you weren't, you were a Gentile. If you were outside of the Jewish bloodlines, you were considered a Gentile. And Paul says here that God justifies the Gentiles also, notice, same way, by faith. Justification by grace through faith is available to every single person. God justifies them. And in verse 8 it says in the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preach the Gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. In you, Abraham... You're the first one to believe by faith, and in you, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. Not just the Jewish nations, but the Gentile nations. Every nation is going to have people who believe just like you believed. They're going to be blessed. And so what God said back in Abraham to Abraham in chapter 12 of Genesis was a promise that says any person, any person who follows this way by believing would be blessed. And so when the Judaizers come along and say, you're not really a son or daughter of Abraham without obeying the law, Paul says, no, 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 no. You're already a son or daughter of Abraham simply by faith. And did you see the phrase, preach the gospel? See that? Verse 8. God would justify the Gentiles by faith. Foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. Preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham. When you go back and read that promise to Abraham, I will make your name great, and in you all the nations of the world will be blessed. You think of the gospel? 
See, Paul says here, hey, when God made that promise to Abraham back then, that he had the gospel in mind when he did it. That the nations are going to be blessed by becoming your sons, and they will become your sons by believing the way you believe. And when they do, righteousness is going to get credited to them just like you. One one last thing about this verse that I found interesting was Paul starts verse 8 by the phrase, and the Scripture. And the Scripture says. Okay? And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. And the Scripture preached the Gospel beforehand to Abraham. Saying in you, Scripture preached the Gospel. When you go back, who's the one that says to Abraham, in you all the nations of the earth will be blessed? God. The answer is God. Okay? God says it. You know what Paul is saying here? Think of what this means for Paul's understanding of what this is. And kids, this is for you too. When Paul opens his Bible, and when what Paul had was the Old Testament, what we have is both. When he opens his Bible, that he is actually seeing the words of God. He calls it Scripture, but it's God's Word. Like, this is not just a collection of great stories or good morals that can just change your life. No, these are the very words of God to us. These are God's God's, uh, 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 promises to us. This is the way of salvation is read in here. Like, you want to hear the voice of God in your life? Read the Bible. Do you want to hear the, the audible voice of God? Read it out loud. Or... Download our latest app that we've pushed to all of our families. Dwell. It's a great Bible app. All right, commercial over. Hey, read it out loud. Have someone read it to you. Why? Because Scripture is the voice of God. Paul says over in 2 Timothy 3, all Scripture is breathed out by God. All Scripture. Both Testaments. Because the one who knows the beginning from the end. The one who knows the, the answer to the world struggles around us puts His words in our hands. And it's never going to fail you. Why? Because it's the Word of God. And so when I read Scripture, listen, I should come into this book understanding that I'm reading the very words of God Himself. And that's why I believe it And that's why I follow it. Lastly, look at verse 9. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. It says we're blessed. It says that we are also blessed. That we get the same thing Abraham gets. You're there in Romans. Go back to uh, uh, chapter 4 again and look at verse 13. Romans 4, verse 13. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be the heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if it is the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath. But where there is no law, there is no transgression. That is why it depends on faith. 
in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only the adherents of the law, the Jews, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. See, this morning, is Abraham your father? Do you believe by faith? And if you do, if you believe God by faith, then Paul says you are Abraham's child. Not Jew, you're not a Jew now, you're not Jewish. But you believe the same way he did. And that you have Christ's righteousness placed on you the same way that Abraham did. And that your sin is placed on Christ the same as Abraham's. So what about today? I mean, here we are worshiping together through a video screen. And if nothing changes, we'll be doing this for a few more weeks. I have to say, it's awkward preaching to an empty room. So what do I do? What do we do? You know, Pastor, you, you talked about it's being blessed. I mean, I don't feel really blessed right now. And my question is, why are you allowing the present sufferings of this time to fog your mind of what's to come. I shared this with you earlier this week uh, in a post. Romans chapter 8, verse 18. For I consider the sufferings of this present time right now not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Yeah, but that's so far away. doesn't matter. Even though it might be years to come, or it may be after my lifetime is over, that doesn't change the fact that I know it's coming. Not worth comparing. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of Him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Right now, in a difficult time, listen, your neighbors, your family who are unsaved, those people, your workplace people, others that know that you're a Christian, should see something different in the light of these events and days ahead. They should not see you being so doom and gloom. You should live with hope. Live with faith. This is what sets us apart. But where's my... It doesn't matter. What is your faith in? Is it in the world? Or is it in Christ? Those who are of faith are blessed. Along with Abraham. You don't think Abraham went through difficult trials? You should read Genesis uh, 13, 14, 15, all the way through the rest of Genesis 20 to, to see what Abraham went through. But he never doubted God. And for those who are children of faith, then you can sing Father Abraham. And kids... You have the pastor's permission today to have your family sing Father Abraham. And dads, you have to join them and sing it too. Don't just sit on the couch. You can praise God today.
Because the same God who credited to Abraham his righteousness will do the same for you. And if you have that righteousness, then it changes you. Because Romans says there's nothing that's going to separate you from that. So now you can live by faith. You can do what we said in Galatians chapter 2, that the life I now live, I'm crucified with Christ, is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. So no matter what happens, no matter what happens around me, no matter what happens to me, there's nothing that's going to remove this from me. And that is, I'm a child of God. And for me to live as Christ and to die, well, that's gain. So why be afraid? Why be fearful? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is the same God of Jay. Is the same God of you if you believe by faith. And my God has never lost control. And my God knows exactly what he's doing. And so I walk with him daily. What can man do to me? I serve God. Let's pray. We're going to pray and then I'm going to walk over and play a chorus. I want you to sing. The words won't be on the screen, but I do want you to sing it with us. But let's pray. Our Father, Lord, we are humbled. You are our God. You are our Heavenly Father. And Lord, as, as we uh, have walked through, I'm very certain, uh, days that none of us have ever walked through before, um, and perhaps there's some uncertainty of what the next weeks will bring. We know that you are still God. We know that, that my life is in your hands. God, I pray for those who are hurting today, who have loved ones. Lord, we pray for this church in Georgia that has had an uh, outbreak within its church. Lord, I pray that you would just heal them. Lord, help them to, to, to walk through these difficult days with, with faith and, and with understanding that you still love them and then that, that this, this, this time is for us to look to you. God, I pray for the people of our church. Lord, I know that their hearts would want to be here with us and worship with us. But God, we thank you so much for technology to be able to just share in homes. And while we can't see faces, uh, Lord, we know that, that our hearts are still as one. I pray for opportunities where we can connect through technology. And God, I pray that you would continue to walk us with hope and with faith. God, I pray that you would help us to be encouraged that just like Abraham believed, that we believe and that because of that, we have been given righteousness and our sin has been forgiven. Walk with us each day, we pray. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen.